Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We are here. It is an absolutely gorgeous day here, and yet we're stuck inside for take two. But thanks for being with us for another week of exciting Utah politics. As we're recording right now, uh, we're all keeping an eye on the legislative session because legislators are meeting uh, for a vote to override the governor's veto on the transgender athlete bill. And uh, so we're keeping a close eye on that. When the session was ending, I think we all met and decided they weren't going to talk about Mm -hmm. it. Then they did, and now we've got the veto, and it goes back in the other direction. So we'll come back to circle back to that in just a minute. But interestingly enough, I think we can say the pandemic is over. I only say that because I've been <laughs> that just jinxed us. I'm knocking on I wood know, right now. I know that's Please a jinx. Do. I say that because I've been watching all of the pictures come out of the G7 and the NATO meetings, and I'm watching all of the most powerful people or some of the most powerful people in the world meet and talk and smile and shake hands and take pictures, and I'm like, okay. If they feel comfortable doing this together, can we fly without our masks? Can we fly without our masks? Three airlines, three major airlines have asked that same question. Yeah, 10 now, I think. Okay. Yeah, up the ante. So we'll see. Mars president says no, right? You mean the United States <laughs> of America? I was going to say, well, your fave, your fave. Like, well, let me ask you this: Is Donald, I, I was Donald Trump your president? You was was yeah. Donald Trump your president? Yeah, okay, well, if you claim him, then he I will. Was a I will, horrible president. I will rephrase it. But he Our was president, in fact mine. And your fave <laughs> um, says no. So it's interesting. I think that the Biden administration won't be able to draw this line for very long because it. The more and more Heidi, as you suggest, things are opening, it just feels very arbitrary. I mean, yeah. what would be the rationale for opening up? this, this, and this, but not that. and It's just getting, I'm know. guessing for airlines too, probably not fun because oh. when it's, the masks are gone everywhere else, but there's the one place you have to wear them. People are just aggravated. I'm sure the people who, the flight attendants who work on the flights are aggravated because they don't want to fight with people. They probably don't want to wear them. And so. they've had a hard row to hoe yeah. with being the ones that have to enforce it. So Absolutely. And then you see the stories coming out of New York and New York City where um, they've had this really onerous uh, mask mandate for this for New York City, and it's it's actually interrupted athletes that play for the uh, New Jersey Nets, or well, they, actually they're the Brooklyn the Brooklyn Nets. They're you know they got the Kyrie Irving that's not allowed to play, but everyone in the stands doesn't have to have masks on that's and everything like else. It's, it's a weird there, deal. Yeah. So what they've said now is okay. Um, if you're a New York Met, you don't have to wear it. If you're a New York Yankee, you don't have to wear masks. If you're now the NBA teams, you don't have to wear masks. But uh, if you're still city employees, or there's still some that they're requiring, and then others they're not. So there's a real double standard that's just starting to become more and more glaringly inconsistent and arbitrary. And so that's going to have to sort itself out soon, because I think a lot of people are talking about it, where you're seeing it, it 
applied differently in ways that you you, you can't get your head around. Yeah. yeah, I think the airlines were, from a PR perspective, really smart because once you lay it out for the public that it is not the airline who's restricting that this. That it's the federal government. Ooh, you don't want to be the schmo, like, telling people they still have to wear their masks. Yeah. yeah. I, know. I agree. And when I was looking at Utah COVID cases yesterday, I think we're at a low from May of back to where we were in May of 2020. So Interesting. Yeah, so mm. things are going well, folks. Well, um, big things happening in the great state of Utah. The Utah Outdoor Retailer Show is back after its five-year hiatus in Denver. Uh, it's a three-year deal. It'll come for the semi-annual show starting in January and then again in the summertime. Mara, are you surprised uh, that they're coming back? Because we've been talking about the fact that there's been a lot of big groups like REI and Patagonia who say stick it we're not coming yeah they do still have a couple of their big incumbents who are still saying we won't support utah because of their policy on open on lands on public lands but what i think is interesting they're also hitting a ton of pressure with expensive it's cheaper Mm -hmm. to come here their participants enjoy it more because it's closer to the outdoors they've got a good relationship visit salt lake has always done a tremendous job um hosting them so i I'm for this, and I'm also for them continuing to voice their concerns about our public land policy. I love it. I love it because I was on the clock uh, when they made the big ultimatum. If you don't change your lands policy, Utah legislature, we're getting out of here. We're going to leave, and you're going to wish we didn't because we're going to get out of here. And it wasn't going to change our land policies. We are elected by our constituents, and there's a collective uh, sentiment that we had in the legislature that we weren't going to let a twice-a-year outdoor retailer convention interrupt. So we didn't blink, we didn't move, and so they did what they promised, they left. Well, they went five years in Denver. I know Mara particularly loves Denver, but I don't know that that was the experience that they were hoping for. It's not, I think it's a combination. I think they miss Salt Lake, but I think the other venues they looked at and the one they went to uh, has disappointed them, and so they're looking to come back. When that was made public, you, a few weeks ago or a month ago, you heard some of the larger re- outdoor retailers continue the the argument that we're not going to, we aren't going to participate if you come back to Salt Lake City because they're not listening to us on what we think lands policy ought to look like. But no one's blinking, no one's changing that. There aren't lawmakers that are, you know, changing their mind based on these threats. So here they are, they're coming back. Uh, the state, by the way, will, they have in the past, I imagine this is one of the reasons they're coming back, is that there was, there were real taxpayer dollars put to help accommodate for tents and the parking lots to give them more convention space. That There's parking a lot. lot's gone. It's actual um, hotel space now, right? That where they put up. Yeah, all the those one tents? across the street, I mm-hmm. think, is the one that that yeah, Greg there, is talking yeah, about. there's there is a yeah. service parking lot they use, but there there's for those other, of you who don't frequent West Temple, it yes. would be across <laughs> the street from the convention yeah. There's center. but there's there's money that the state has used uh, yeah. put in put forward to help that be a successful uh, convention. I think that the what you heard from those that were trying to recruit them to come back that there's a there was a legislative and will from the executive branch to to resume that participation. Yeah. So look, you know, it's so they're coming back, the and we didn't have to capitulate to demands, and that's well, what I love. I know you like your chest thumping, but yeah, good for the state. Um, Thanks that for they, noticing that they do that they did <laughs> want them back economically. So we have, you know, we have rolled out the carpet as we should this is a really good fit for salt lake city and for utah not only from a lifestyle but from um, a convention standpoint we're built for it we just need some water to fill up our lakes now make sure we have some snow for skiing (laughs) but i think it's it's definitely a good move and i think 
you know, Salt Lake City is a great place for it. And I hope some of these companies realize that it's better to have a conversation by showing up to the table than saying neener, yeah, neener. Better I'm to not have the coming. conversation here. Bring your buying dollars and buy our billboards. Yeah. Mara said that on the podcast last week. And then uh, Salt Lake County and Salt Lake City mayors uh, repeated what you said. Oh, so good. you're they, in, I'm glad you they listen to the program. Yes. yes. <laughs> good, th- good job. You're a thought leader. I'm an antagonist, but you're a thought leader. <laughs> you're a clearly. Thought leader. They're, not, they're not parroting anything I say on this program. Somebody's got to be. Um, a couple of things that I've been watching this week, I think there's been 104 bills signed up by the governor so far, and there were two of them that he let pass into law without signing. The one that I thought was super interesting, Greg, is the one um, with the money that goes towards uh, movies. And most recently, when we saw during the pandemic, there was a vote not to up some of the ante to have people come in f- for making films. We lost Yellowstone, and that was a big show for you, Most popular show in America right now. It is? Yes, and it's... Uh, it's one of the most it's one of the most uh, watched and popular new series that have that have come on the you know come on our screens or our streaming services and you know what you love about the film industry especially if you get a series is it's not a one time it's not one the film money keeps it's a, it's coming. a it is a consistent you know show over a number of years and so your infrastructure for your cameraman your the, all the things that it takes to put on a successful uh, series that strengthens the economy for film production in your state. So this was a big deal. Uh, the, 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 the Film Incentive Fund was a victim of its own success in that it was oversubscribed and there wasn't any additional appropriations put by the legislature into that Film Incentive Fund. And so uh, the show is called Mon- uh, Yellowstone. So Montana had a very uh, a- a- attractive uh, deal for them mm. to come and change the, the venue. W- the state of Utah didn't even have to match it if they would just keep doing what they were doing before, but we were unable to do it. We lost that. There's a measurable there. You don't have the hotel rooms, the catering, the, 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 the set building that you use, all the different things that are involved. Well, this year, you have, you, have a, you have a lot of interest still in the state of Utah in this film production and series production continuing forward. And the bill was $12 million that is post-performance, meaning that when a film production comes and they've, they've rented the hotel rooms and the caterers and everything they've done, they take the, the receipts from the in and the in-state spend so it doesn't go to people's you know famous people's salaries it's what you spend in the state that post-performance there'd be a rebate from what they actually spent and then this bill uniquely said this could only happen in rural utah which is a which part of is part of our state that really does need stronger economies and opportunities for economic growth and this got a lot of pushback and i think the reason why you see the executive branch and the governor not signing it is they're not convinced that the return uh, is is strong enough to have this kind of incentive but to the last topic, I would say, if you're ready to welcome in the outdoor retailers and you're ready to front a, a, a convention hotel, which we put taxpayer money into yeah. the convention space and the structured parking, if you're ready to put the tents up, if you're ready to, you know, proact ahead of time before there's any spend, use taxpayer money for that. I don't know how you can do that and at the same time argue that a post-performance incentive in rural Utah would be a bad piece of policy. So you it's, disagree I, with your governor? I, I do. I do. I, I'm, bu- I'm very bullish on this area of our uh, this economic growth. I, this is an interesting topic because it allows us to not see each other as stereotypes or monoliths. So Speaker Hughes was a big fan of the film industry that is and um, wanting to support this. This, this. this question of how you should incentivize film has actually been around for a number of different years. And I think what Utah is continuing to get right is they're focused on post-production. Mm-hmm. I think for many Republicans, their fear is 
there is a model in competitive states that is just throw money at films to get them here. And I think sometimes, unless you're really committed to the nuances of, I'll call incentives, but I say that just small I, um, you're not, you have to be able to be persuaded of the, um, value of as greg says post-performance incentives because it's essentially too late of a phrase it's essentially reimbursement on tax spend in utah but i think utah has that right i do think that what they're worried about is many other states are just throwing money at saying we'll just pay for your stuff and that's not money yeah, yeah yeah and so i I think what's appealing about this is that's not that has not been Utah's model, but it does seem to be the fear, particularly of some Republicans who may not be. Familiar. And this experiment yeah. of doing this, so because you have to spend of, money to make money, absolutely. Right. And so yeah. Georgia has a model like this. They haven't. They they don't have a cap on it. So they're saying we will rebate back a portion of what you come and spend in our state because they think a hundred percent of nothing's nothing. And this is a Republican legislature, strong Republican legislature in uh, in in Georgia, and. It, and, and, a gov- and a Republican governor, but they've seen a great boost in their ec- in their economic activity because they they do that. Georgia has become the center for like Walking Dead. There's a million of them. I only want to pick one to, to you know to point out, but there's so much film production and series production happening in that state, which is a Republican state, which they are supply siders, so they get the return yeah. on investment. So, look, we we've, we've capped ours. We're not. It's not open ended like that in our state. Uh, and so I just thought it was a no brainer, especially in parts of our state where they need strong economic opportunities because we can't fit everybody in the Wasatch front. Everyone can just keep coming here as you're getting older and you can't find a job in rural Utah. So you're coming here to start your life. Uh, the quality of life is starting to diminish and the cost of living is increasing. It so is. well, we've got the afterglow at least. I have friends that came from Florida over Christmas and one of their fun activities is um, I think it's up in the Heber Midway area. They went on a snowmobile ride, and they take you by one of the cabins that's from Yellowstone. It's very exciting that's, to go get your picture exciting. taken there. So even yeah. though we don't have the show anymore, we still well, have their you cabins. You know, you always have Footloose and Lehigh. So. That's true. Mm-hmm. The roller mills. You can still see there. a little bit of that, <laughs> that movie mix. still in there somewhere. <laughs> I can it. still spot it yeah. Yeah. from afar. The thing I hate is when you're walking in the middle of July and it's hot downtown and they're filming a Christmas show and they've got, you know, the bubbles all over mm-hmm. the street, which is fine. But then when you see it actually show up on TV, it's always Denver. It's and I'm true. like, why can't you just say it's Utah? Like, yeah. There's something wrong with Utah. That People needs don't to be a fall part of it. Here. They, get a, they get a little bumper <laughs> if they mention, if they brand our state, there's a little more, a little bit really? of a kicker in a the, uh, yeah, in Interesting. the uh, reimbursement. Because yeah. we know our mountains and our buildings and That's I'm right. like, come on guys. <laughs> Interesting. Well, um, we are happy to have all the money flowing into our state that we can get right now. Uh, Mara, did you go to the Utah Democratic Caucus meetings, or did you decide to wash your hair again this week? You know, actually, we really did have a conflict that night. Oh, a real conflict. (laughs) (laughs) We did. did. It sounds lame now. I wouldn't associate with them either. I think think you're very wise. Good choice. You're not welcome, Greg, so (laughs) it's not a problem. (laughs) Wait, I thought the Democrats had an open-door policy that if the Greg Hughes of the world... They have have a list. They have a list. It's it's not based on anything but the list. <laughs> Just the list. Um, yeah. So, I, so I'll say they said what the Republicans. We'll start with the the headlines. They said it was a good turnout and, it, and they were happy to have it. The exciting controversy here is you have arguably the most prominent Democrats in Ben McAdams and then Mayor Jenny Wilson, who are really actively, very actively saying, hey, guys. Um, oh, we should also mention that there is a, vi- you know, um, 
a relevant Democrat running for uh, Kale Weston. Kale Weston. He's run before. He ran against um, Chris Stewart in the last cycle. He's running against Mike Lee here. So he's proffering it. But then this, you know, the thing we're all watching, of course, is Evan McMullen, who whose campaign was actively, from my understanding, organizing and pushing the. So what happened Tuesday, as we all know, is delegates, and that delegates are preparing for then the conventions. Often campaigns will start at the delegate level and have the convention have their representatives there. And so the battle is, will these delegates vote for no candidate, which has never been done, or will they support the Democrat, which in this instance, the normal course of action would be that they would get forward an acclamation, right? It, it's yeah. a single candidate. They would move forward. And they are... Um, sorry they, to interrupt you. Yeah, sorry. They, We're looking at breaking news on Greg's phone. Uh, the vote coming down here. All right, we'll talk about that in yeah. a second. Don't ruin it right now, yeah. Greg. I won't. I'm not saying it. All right. It's so a cliffhanger. It's quite a something. Um, uh, before, you know, Greg Hughes goes on the death of the Democrats. <laughs> um, it's quite something. This has never been tried before. I think the essence of the argument is that... You as a voter and you having um, your ideals and your uh, – you don't always vote. It's not a, it's a, not a binary decision, I think. You was want what, someone who matches what, up closer to well, you. Well, what Ben McAdams would say is don't make it binary. We have a third choice, and Mike Lee is so bad that give up the Democrat and vote for who Ben McAdams will tell you is a more palatable choice than Evan McMullen. So this is what uh, Ben McAdams said on Twitter. He said, if Democrats stubbornly put up a candidate, we know, those were all caps, no yeah. will lose. We will split the vote and guarantee Lee's re-election. Go to caucus night, become a McMullen delegate. Let's join the coalition and win. Um, I actually saw several people that went to their meetings and said that they pledged to be a McMullen delegate. So this is interesting to see because... Uh, in the presidential election, we had uh, Republicans who just felt like they couldn't vote for Trump that wanted another Republican-esque person um, in the White House voting for Evan McMullen. Now he's the choice of uh, more left-leaning friends. Uh, Greg, who's he, he says he's not going to caucus with anyone. Let's say Evan McMullen wins. Is he going to be another Republican, or is he going to be what the Democrats are hoping, a little more left-leaning or maybe going... Mitt Romney's way where sometimes he'll side with, you know, well, both. independents have been elected into the U.S. Congress before and they caucus with a party, one of the parties. And so to say you're not going to or not willing to reveal what uh, party you would caucus with is a politician's answer. And it's actually counter to the narrative that he's trying to introduce to voters to consider. Here's the issue. You know, if, if we want a two party system or if we would like it to not be a one party system uh, in our state then at some point the Democrats are going to have to put forward, as they have in the past, good candidates statewide that are going to run and make their case. When you have in the 2020 race this, we're going to be pragmatic. We actually know that the Republicans rule the day. They control the state. So let's get involved in their primary because that's where the real vote's going to happen. So you see this very open. It used to be kind of quiet, mm -hmm. wink, wink, nod, nod. Now it's like, hey, we got no shot. So what are we, who are we fooling? Let's all get into the Republican primary. You go two years later, that ended up not being an anomaly or something, you know, unique. No, two years later, you've got an independent where you, you're, you're once largest or – Ben McAdams was probably, what would you say, Salt Lake County's larger than a congressional district. So he was one of the strongest Democrat-elected public servants in, in the pot, state of yeah. Utah. Then he was elected to Congress. He's given up on the party that they don't have any prayer of a chance with a statewide candidate for the Democrats. Jenny Wilson's now followed suit. It is by their own admission 
We don't have a party, folks. We don't have a good candidate. We have to go to an independent. We have to switch uh, par- party affiliation to go into a, pri- a Republican primary. That is not the way to build your party or to even one day think that you're going to have a stronger say in, in the politics and the policy of our state to just keep saying, I'm going to vote for something when it's not a Democrat because they're unelectable. Is ben That's what they're saying. Again? They're unelectable. So Evan McMullen is a Republican. Do you find him I don't tearing find him down the party because he doesn't want to run as a Republican? Yeah, I don't find him. I don't I won't, I won't. think any Republican would, would say he's a Republican. Well, They'd that's say not how it works. He has filed before as a Republican. Well, he might have. he but, affiliates with but, the Republican but Party. It, in this election, and he's not a Republican. So, so you're going to, part Republic. I'll tell you this because you bring up a good point. I've had members when I was in the House who said, you know, the state Republican Party, whatever, they, they had some commentary going on about the party. And my, and my comment to that was, if you don't think it means anything to be a Republican, its platform or anything, then give up the nomination. Don't run as a Republican. Run as an unaffiliated or independent. Let somebody else get that Republican nomination and tell me how your next election works for you. It does mean something. It does have a brand. It does have two constituents in the state of Utah. It means something. And I think that if someone thinks it's about them and it's not about the party, run without a party and see how that goes. I think that I think the Democrats walking away from their own party with a with even trying to have a viable candidate is not a good but you're switching good on the with, long I view. think I think it's an interesting question. And that's why about that's why McMullen just walked away from being a Republican because he doesn't want to be part of the Republican process of a convention caucus cycle, right. a primary cycle. He's not a Republican. But I do differentiate between the question of your party affiliation as a candidate and the question of who you want to vote for as a voter, because I don't think I think voters should put oh, yeah, their I'm be, interest I'm de- before. Yeah. I'm 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 directing this towards anyone who would say I affiliate as a re- Democrat or I would have any interest in the but Democrats. Having space. a stronger presence in the state ben of Utah. Ben is saying as I'm speaking as state. a voter. And sure. Heidi asked a really interesting question, which I have thought of before and I want to tease out in Ooh, the future, okay. which is what is Ben? So I'm now putting Ben back, ben McAdams like back into done, the public right? fray, right? And saying what an interesting move for him um, if, if the conversation is about what does Ben do next as a public figure. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting move. I, I, I think the fundamental question for many people are, is, are you a Democrat, but you just don't want to use the Democrat name or party because you think it hurts you? Are you talking about ben practically? Or just, I'm just talking generally, just people. Well, Kale, um, is, Kale it, is, is the it Democrat hide, Is it kind of a is it kind of just trying to hide the ball? Is it that they just don't affiliate with the party anymore and they are this kind of new brand no. of independent? The Democrats what is it? put forth a candidate, Greg. I know. And but, a candidate who wants when, to be when, affiliated when with Ben them. McAdams and this Jenny Wilson don't the support that candidate. Well, it, they're, they are the, some of the strongest elected it's Democrats in our state. But and when they're running, when voters. they're not. When I'm guessing the head of the, the Democratic Party sweating bullets right now. So that interestingly cannot be enough, a fun I job. interviewed her. Oh, you did? And she was, uh, she's lovely. I'm not. She was surprisingly neutral. Her answer. Neutral. Her as her the answer, party chair. Wh- her answer to like sort of where are you with this? She said, "I will follow my delegates." Interesting. Which, if I were Kale Weston, I would have hated that response. That was a very. She. My cue was that she is following the cue of Ben and Jenny. Yeah, that's a you white want flag for your party. I hate to, to break you. it to him. I just. You'd think be better off me running the Democrat Party as and and. 
and trying to build your brand, then you'd have that answer. I'll I'm offer telling it. you now. I'll offer it, yeah, Craig. You, I'll see how that goes. I mean, I understand that you, I'll offer, yeah. we, if you're going to continue yeah. to perpetuate a one-party state I, rule, that's exactly I, I how you agree. do it. Talk about a playbook. I, My I goodness. Will, I am not party first like Greg is, but one of the things I do think Greg and I agree I on the parties is and their that matter. the party themselves needs to defend themselves. If you're now, again, I, um, I leave room for Ben in another's position, but the party itself has to defend but itself. Isn't that a sad commentary? It means they don't Just, think they're electable affiliating as a Democrat. It's well, a sad deal. Well, I, I mean, is. you know, there are lots, there are several seats. I, I changed my a lot to several seats. Look, in I, look, Utah, as a political Republicans an, don't put Mara, people as a political animal. I'll tell you if there, there, there were Republicans, look, it was out of 75 members. There yeah. was a there was two years where I was served as speaker where sixty three of the House members were Republican right. in a seventy five member body. Right. I will tell you that there were colleagues of mine who I thought probably aligned closer with the Democrats than with the Republicans. And I think it's a healthier debate and a healthier process to not jam every single member of a of a legislative body into one party. Right. You ought to have the you ought to have the back and forth. I mean I the minority leader, Brian King, we have had incredible debates, but we've also worked together yeah, and, Greg, and there's you, some value to that. You would be that. the first to say that there are a group of Democrats, many of whom are elected in the House and Senate, who want to keep their affiliation and Absolutely. are proud of their affiliation. So but I don't want to be, I'm thinking I wanna, I don't be too blanket Yeah, but that's that. who I'm thinking about when I talk about this. There are people that want their party to be strong. As they a political want exercise, this is fascinating. So here's the other thing to watch for that we're all watching is that the head of the DNC is actually coming out for a month and having setting up shop setting up shop around the democratic convention time so that is super interesting i know i can't wait to is see where to that like goes get i'm going to party set up some is it to get utah as a <laughs> to have a p- actual party i could he's, see why he's coming into town yeah no i think it's interesting maybe utah is going to be the state uh, that eventually grows a viable, let's mm-hmm. say, third party, no. and we yeah. become a That's state. That's the sad where part: is that these are throwaway votes. This, this dividing it into a third no, party candidate—it's a throwaway. They vote. become the so. So there's about a half a million voters that'll go with the Democratic Party, which is not inconsequential in a statewide. Mm-hmm. It's the decision. So I think if the if we we're just being calculating and we're being we're, we don't care about our parties, it's an interesting move because it makes the Democratic vote more important to winning, right? Right now, Greg, you're saying that concedes that there's a Democrat that can win, but that's the calculus Ben's making. He's saying I concede a you're Democrat's gonna split not going to win. Mar. You're splitting a base. You really are. Well, but there's I mean, no, they're trying to no not split there. the base. That's I mean, what that's, they're trying that's, to that's, do. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are. Plus, if you guys want, just like going to give a shout out to Becky Edwards and Allie Isom for those of you listening who want a reasonable alternative to Mike Lee and frankly Evan <laughs> McMullen, please consider Ben, uh, Allie Isom it's or nice Becky that you're Edwards. Saying that that's, that should <laughs> they're people should take note. Yeah, and they're, at least that's in the Republican both, process. They I mean, are at both least it's straight-faced. You know, they are, they are better than Evan McMullen. They are better than uh, Mike Lee. I would actually, well, I wouldn't agree better than Mike Lee, but I would agree better than Evan they're McMullen. They're qualified. Easily, they're smart. Easily better than Evan, yeah. Evan McMullen. And they're all, I haven't looked at the numbers in the last week or so, but I went for a walk last night downtown because it was so lovely. And Becky Edwards' team was out there uh, looking for signatures. And I never sign anything like that because my name can't go on anything right. for right, left, in between, upside down, or whatever. But they were very kind and they were looking for signatures. I wanted to know how they were doing, but I was kind of in a hurry. So Both campaigns are I saying declined they're in the high 20s for submitted signatures. You didn't sign Mike Lee's? No. I never, no one's wow. asked me for my, I, I, I don't like signatures. Sign, I wouldn't sign anyone's. I should I just like sign it. everyone's all party because then I'll be one of those persons 
persons, peoples, they have they to kick off. They just eliminate. Yeah, that they kick out, but that just creates more work for our government. And that's our taxpayer dollars <laughs> getting wasted. That's a bad <laughs> idea, Heidi Hatch. Okay, uh, I want to uh, go back to what we were talking to off the top of the podcast here. We're watching as the votes roll in um, for the veto override session and the House. Greg saw the numbers first. Do you want to tell us the numbers here? Yes, yeah, so the, so the, the Governor Cox's veto of House Bill 11 uh, that would ban boys from playing girls' sports uh, okay, was overridden, girls. Was overridden 56 straight. yes votes to 18 no votes. I was looking through to see who the no votes were. So Benyon, I think it, Briscoe, no, I Collard. know you didn't like the way I set, uh, described that, but I th- honestly think when they pull that, when they say transgender women, I think some listeners to that question would think you were speaking about women who yeah. may affiliate as men. M- many, uh, really. of, many of us think that they are women. So let's just let's just. So say I think it, saying boys HB can't 11, play girls' sports is about as, as basic 11. as you get. What? I said HB 11. It, the yeah. override was 56 yes votes to override the veto. As a, as a synonym 18 for against. No. Oh, no. Winter voted against it. I'm trying to see okay. if there's oh, any yeah, other surprises yeah. in there. Yeah. Spenlove, Stoddard, Owens, Moss. Um, Pitcher. Um, most of these are, I think, lesser people we expected. Quan King. So I'm going to tackle this on the politics first. Mm, okay. Um, I think the vote will follow caucus meetings, right? I think the vote will follow the assessment of the elected official and their delegate count. And I think that that's too bad. Um, and I think that the override is a byproduct of the Republican caucuses. And I think this conversation is a byproduct of primary elections and the Republican conventions. I've heard that from several people um, that I've talked to myself too, saying that they feel pressure right now because of the caucus and because this is a conversation that they have to be able to go and answer the way uh, that people want answered right now. Yeah, so I think these are political um, capital P political uh, so, decision. But, which, which, but let me ask you this. What was the what was the more political vote? Was it the one that in the last night they thought, perception-wise, they didn't want to be seen as a bigot or discriminatory, so they voted against it? Or was it the one where delegates said, what in the world were you thinking, and they voted the other way? Because I will tell you, and if you wanted to have a principled vote, were you worried more about pr- negative perception when you voted against it on the last night, or are you worried more about negative perception now? The problem with people that vote when they're scared is you never know because it's really not about yeah. the policy. It's just about what the I winds think, feel like. I think I agree. And that's a problem. I hear you indicting the entire subject matter, which I agree with. And I do. I, I think, I think the, voting out of fear I is think, a terrible way to vote for a bill. But I think the approach, or against. The approach from the original, eight, the original HB 11 to the revised shoved through ban the night of has entirely been political. I don't think this I, I is think about kids. I think it's an I overused description about, about policy and ran through the last night. I don't think this is night. about policy. Everything, there's a lot of substitute bills and a lot of changes on right, the last Greg, night. Right, but Greg, I would, not, I would, not, I would agree to that. That's not absent process. Except, and you know that except Greg, the sponsor apologized. So if you don't think that it was... I thought that was weird I that he went that, into the governor but it to completely indicted him. You and I are both down for nah, using I, all of the, the you rules. Didn't read his apology. He was saying, "If this was upsetting to you, I apologized, and I did not mean well, that's to not upset a real apology. you." Right? Well, that's what, that real, was the apology. He though. apologized for how the last night went. He apologized if he had been offended by that. But if you he, felt it wasn't sad, his I'm intention. sorry you had those feelings. I know. I'm sorry. That's, that's the, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't understand. Utah passive aggressive. I apologize, not apologize. That's what he did. That's what he did. He apologized that sorry, way. not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. That's what he said. Yeah, so we're going to be uh, watching how the rest of this shakes out. Meanwhile, I don't know how many hours you've spent watching the SCOTUS hearings. I've listened to snippets here and there and uh, listened to when our own Senator Mike Lee, who's on 
uh, the Judiciary uh, Commission there um, did his questioning. I spoke to him after day two, and he said that overall he was pleased by what he was hearing. Uh, his big question is the talking point that we're hearing coming from all Republicans about uh, Ketanji Jackson Brown. I always get the Brown Jackson that in the wrong order. Ketanji Brown. Brown, Brown Jackson. Jackson. I don't know why I'm gonna have to work on getting that rolling off my tongue you better. Because you want to say Jackson Brown, because that's a that's <laughs> a that's true. a I do want to say Jackson artist. Brown. Yes, yeah. so no, I, not I, I want to say her. Jackson Brown. Every time I go to type it too, I'm of. like, wait, is Brown or Jackson first? But uh, he wants more answers still on the issue of the ten cases um, with child pornography where she went under what the recommended statute uh, for sentencing would be. Uh, his concern with the concern from others, at least it sounded like, was, you know, if it were one or two cases, it wouldn't be a problem, Mara. But when you have 10, that maybe you're, I guess, making a political move from the Yeah, bench. so this has nothing to do with her. It has all to do with setting up for midterms. And on behalf, <laughs> on behalf so of them, they are coming. But oh my on behalf of all three or four of the last justices, I do wish, and Lee said this yesterday, I wish we would go back to a standard in which we were not politicizing. And and this is this didn't start with her. This is a couple of, of um, old, I mean, Amy... Cohen Barrett also and Kavanaugh like I'm not trying to make this this partisan I wish we would go back to merit base I do want to give some credit to Mike Lee I was really surprised that um, I'm waiting I thought he would go down the Ted Cruz Holly you embarrass me you're such a dolt road and I was expecting that and he did not he showed his um, legal background and he showed his Um, political acumen and he earned his title when he questioned her he was hard on her he has some questions about her he couldn't resist some political snarking after but there's room for that I appreciate that Lee did not join his sometimes you know buddies in being an idiot because I think those guys the extremists on both sides are embarrassing the decorum of both the senate the judiciary committee and this process. And I really want to appreciate that I did not think Senator Lee did that. And I do think that's one thing that he takes seriously. I think a lot of votes that make people super annoyed when he votes, he's voting on them because of his constitutional lawyer stand or whatever. Right. There was actually some of his questioning where I zoned out because it was that kind of legal boring yeah, conversation exactly. where I was like, what are we talking about? Bring me back here, which is good. Is the kind of questioning you want going on. Uh, Greg and Mara, you can both answer on this. The one thing I think is interesting is a lot of people are going online and saying people are going after her specifically because she's black and because she's a woman and they're being way harder on her and just being nasty, more nasty than in the past. I don't know that that's the case. I think there's always grandstanding when they do this. Um, And I would hope, too, as a woman or a woman of color or whatever, I would want to be treated the same as everyone else. But I would hope that we would be just less nasty to everyone in general. So I guess that's like a badge of, I don't know, honor, I guess, if they're treating you the same as. So I actually actually find it, um, I I would agree with Mara that I think that that these uh, Supreme Court nomination hearings have gotten way over the top. And I wouldn't say it's one party or the other. There is. There should be a, a when a so when the American people elect a president of the United States and there is a vacancy in the Supreme Court, we should honor that process. And and outside of some uh, real extreme reasons why you would feel they are not fit for that that role or that job, you you should be giving that deference. And we we are seeing less and less of that every time, and it's becoming so polarized. And that's that again. I don't I don't agree with that. I think that shouldn't happen. I will say that I was surprised by the line of questioning and some of her answers that I thought. If I were sitting there and I was trying to weigh this, 
I was very surprised by some of the answers. One of them was that, and I tried to listen to more than just the sound bites. I tried to like, I put it in my, on my car and I, you know, I tried to listen to a lot longer so I could get the full context. Uh, Judge Jackson, I don't even say the first or middle name, Heidi, that's how I get away with it. Judge Jackson. She, um, she, when they asked a lot of questions trying to get her uh, philosophical approach to issues, she deflected that as Republican nominees have done in the past as well by saying that she really looks at legislative intent and she, and her job as a judge is to not, you know, wing it or, or just push her own opinion or her own agenda, but really understand uh, what the intent is and what mm -hmm. the role of Congress is. And, and just, so she was trying to be very objective about the questions asked where it's not her opinion that's important, it's her process. And she kept going to that. So that's what led to the questions about the sentencing of those that had been convicted of having in possession child pornography. And it wasn't one case. I think it was nine or ten. And in that, what was interesting about it is that there were congressional, uh, there's sentencing guidelines of the least amount of months mm -hmm. and the most amount of months. And it is true that they don't have to listen to that. That's a guideline, okay? It used to be that it was that you had to go within those months, and then the Supreme Court a while ago said you don't have to go within those guidelines. She was going underneath those guidelines, those minimum guidelines. There was a case where someone had a volume of it, and I don't even like going through the details of it because it's all just not. terrible. But I won't. But I'm, what I'm saying is where that was looking at it, it years, the number of years that someone would be found or would be sentenced for being convicted of this, she went three months. And there are a number of examples where she's not following the legislative intent or the guidelines that the Congress has used, and she's actually going below that, which does undermine her argument that she's really trying to discern what the legislative intent was or what c Congress was trying to accomplish there. I thought that was a contradiction. And this is the one that makes me most uncomfortable. There is an out loud argument being made by some, and I heard this from talking heads of some cable news networks after. The people that create the child pornography are far more guilty than those that consume it and download it and keep it. And I find no moral distinction between those that, that make it available and those that take full advantage of downloading it and taking it. And yet... That is a straight-faced argument that's being made right now. Well, the people that create it, they're far more guilty than someone that finds it on their computer in the numbers that they were talking about by way of example. These are crimes against children any way you look at it, and that's why it's against the law. And I find it beyond creepy that we'd say, well, if you're the one making it, that's way worse than you're the one that's downloading 600,000 images on your computer. No, I find the whole thing to be abhorrent. And I, I think we ought to be absolutely... Unaccept it should be unacceptable on any front, whether you're receiving this and keeping it, whether you're the one pushing it out. It's it's all terrible. And I, I it's so weird that we would have an argument about who's which is worse, which deserves the higher sentence. It's all terrible. We should not be okay with any of it when so it comes one, to the these point kids. of law is actually to decide. In the everything in law is horrible, and they're trying to decide. Yeah, I, I'm, on, I'm in the camp but of being the fairy tougher tale on that child Greg just told you, where this this attack on her record was a, a subject of discovery. Is it, we know it's a fairy tale because they brought it up in our last senatorial hearings, and also your colleagues on the right forecasted that they were going to take this attack before she even started her hearing. So first I'll just say, but it this still land, doesn't make it, doesn't this make land it less of, legitimate. But your story goes, gosh, this came up no, no, and we I'm, were no, interested no. in it. No, we should also point out that, I'm that saying her justice, answers to so many questions were not consistent with how she, Brown Jackson's, how she, she went below the she, congressional guidelines also on Also we should note that she was in her peer category 
on all of our sentencing procedures. We should also know that the legal authority that gives justices ratings have always given her the highest rating. So this is, again, I, I mean, the basis of the argument is we think she's pro-child porn, which she's on so, face is softer on it than you should be. And so if you can find me more judges that feel the way she does, then they're all wrong to do it that it's way. It's all nonsensical. This is one of the most highly qualified women. I also hate the fact she doesn't know how to answer the definition of a woman, given that she is by one of her categories by identity politics, a woman. That was one of the uh, that was one of the qualifiers, and she couldn't give an answer of what so, was the definition of a woman. You don't find that a little bit weird? So you you she says she's not a biologist. Openly, she can't tell you what's a woman. Openly listened open to the door to a lot of discussions. Memes. Yeah, it did, but that's exactly what it did. Yeah. It's not serious minded. These it are not serious, serious such, minded. That should have been the easiest question a Supreme Court nominee has ever have posed. To and them. the partisan call and response. She said, it me. I'm a woman. That's why I got nominated. The partisan call and response is getting more and more nonsensical. She actually took a huge playbook from the last justice's hearing, which I was also disappointed. I'm agreeing with you that it is not partisan. It is almost a defense mechanism now of nominees. And we're getting less and less from them. And when we, before we jump in and criticize them, I think we should hold a mirror up and say, what are we doing with our public conversations right now? So I'm going to go back to applauding those in committee who actually had judicial questions for them and not gotcha questions and not headlines that they were setting up for their next campaign. Those are ba- I, I, I will say this if it's worth saying, I don't know, but I, I remember, and I'm not it? saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that I remember everything from every, you know, Supreme Court nominating hearing before, but where I saw where the, it goes the other side where say, uh, Amy Coney Barrett was being hounded. It really centered around abortion and around those, those issues and, and Roe, Roe versus Wade. When you get into child pornography, man, that that is something that I would like easy okay, answers Greg, to. What I, would I don't like to understand why on. that is, why why we are when, drawing nuances. So you found on it completely child valid. pornography. It, it, it's it's a little off. The questions to me. of Kavanaugh were about his behavior and his character. Those were germane. Uh, those because are accusations they were about, which are very different than how you rule. Her. You're, 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 I'm She's in line her, with the standards her of her peers. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't make two wrongs don't make a right. I don't like people that I don't want judges. If that's the case, that judges are not using the 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 guidelines or they're dismissing them entirely and using three months in jail instead of the years well, that are in the sentencing guideline. Then, I don't think that's good. Instead of coming in and being a partisan hack at the moment, I'm not, why don't I you don't really like that. tackle I didn't even jurisprudence? I would like that. I was why actually looking at, you're I looking thought at I'd an be entire fair about that, but then I'm like, Ooh, that's wrong. So then tackle the system. Friday. Tackle the system. No, that's, a, that's well, wrong. You don't want to get let off people that you that access that much child pornography. That is not a small thing. She will be our thing. next that's Supreme Court thing. justice. She Democrats will. have the vote. It'll be interesting to see if they can get some uh, support from the other side I of the aisle. I hated those answers. We'll find out by Easter. And I want you guys to just go outside, get a breath Jeffrey of fresh Tubin air. Jeffrey started opining about this. He should have sat that conversation out. Just a quick yes or no answer. We're leaving this podcast podcast before the Senate votes, uh, are they going to override? Yes. Um, yes. It's the yeah. fastest turnaround yes. of a but, veto override. But who I want to talk to are the family and the friends and the parents of these kids. And you should always differentiate that the Utah State Legislature, for better or worse, has the power to impact your life. It doesn't have the power to define your value. 
Absolutely. And interestingly enough, uh, last night, 2 News at 10 o'clock, some of the families that were involved, we finally heard from last night, they were at the rally at the Capitol. And I was interested to hear from them because I know they probably want to protect their children and not have them on camera, but I really would like to hear their mindset and how their decisions are made and what their kids are doing. I think it's an important part of the conversation. Because we pretend that parent choice is the most important thing, but we throw it out when convenient. And we pretend that schools should make decisions, but we throw it out. But these kids are amazing. Kids in general are amazing, and we should treat them with love for sure. Thank you for being here uh, this week. We will discuss this again next week. Uh, Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the sunshine before the snow returns.